mind God. Mark chapter number 9. I've been preaching through the gospel of Mark on Sunday mornings at my church and uh, since last year. And it's just what uh, what's on my heart. I didn't get to finish my message Sunday morning, so I might try to just finish it off right here. Amen. And uh, so let's, let's look at, if you will, in verse number 30. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible says, And they departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise again the third day. But they understood not that saying, and were afraid to ask him. And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? But they held their peace. For by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he saith unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. Whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not with us. And we forbade him, because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water and drink to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. I'd like to call your attention back to verse 34, but please leave your Bible open as we will examine this text together uh, this afternoon, verse 34, verse 33, Jesus asked them what they disputed amongst themselves in the way. And verse 34 said that uh, they held their peace. And uh, I don't blame them, do you? <laughs> because they were talking about who was going to be the greatest. Some on the inside. How many of you know when Jesus asks a question, He don't ask it because He needs the information. That's right. He asks it because you need the information. Right. He knew exactly what was going on because they never told him, but he knew what was in their heart. And I want to deal with this just for a few minutes in here this afternoon. And I want to title the message this afternoon, Everyone's Secret Sin. The secret sin. You don't have to say it. God knows. It's in your heart. It's in my heart. Everyone that's in here have that secret sin. And it's pride is what it is. It's pride. Let's ask God to help us this afternoon. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help me, God. Lord, empty me of me and fill me with you. And God, I pray that you touch your people. God, and give them what we need. Lord, out of, out of your word. Lord, and you be glorified and lifted up in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Everyone in this building has a secret sin. And it is pride. It's so secret the disciples did not want to, uh, they did not want to say. But that's all the disciples knew. That's 
all in that culture from the government was modeled to them was an honor society. That's what they knew. It was all about who's the greatest, who's the most powerful, who's the most talented. And sadly, even the religious system of that day modeled the same exact thing. The Pharisees of that day, they were all jockeying for position. Who's the greatest? And who has the, the greatest title? And who sits in the highest seat? And when you address me, you call me doctor. You call me rabbi. You call me master. And it's all about those things. And that's all the disciples knew. But when they got around this man, Jesus, and they began following Him, they saw something they'd never seen before. They saw a man who had authority and who preached with authority and who, who performed and had mighty power. But he was so meek and he was so humble and he was a servant and he wasn't afraid. Uh, Brother Brown, I always think about that message he preached about uh, about the towel and taking that towel. He wasn't afraid to get down and, and it didn't matter about a title. It mattered about a towel. And he took a towel and he washed somebody's feet. And I'm afraid today that every one of us, we struggle with pride. No doubt about that. Whether you admit it or not. In fact, the ones that won't admit it, you struggle with it the worst, I'm sure. And the reason it's a secret sin is not because we keep it a secret, because honestly, we don't keep it a secret that way. A lot of times. The reason it's a secret sin is because where it's committed is committed in the heart. And it can outflow and it does overflow into other things. And I believe pride is the seedbed of all sin. No doubt about that. But but we all struggle with this. We like to we like to put ourselves very high. We like to compare ourselves among ourselves and look down on other people. And you know, Paul reminds us in Romans twelve, he said, That I say through the grace given unto me that every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. We're drunk on pride. We need to sober up. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Galatians 6.3 If a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. It's like the lady that went to her pastor and said, Preacher, I'm I got a sin that I'm struggling with. It's a secret sin and I just can't get victory over it. And the pastor said, Well, Mary, what's your problem? What's, what's your sin? What's wrong? And she said, Preacher said, every time I come to church, I just look around and I look at all the other ladies in the church and I, I just, I notice that I'm so much more beautiful than all of them. I, I'm the prettiest girl in the whole church. And the pastor said, Mary, that's not a sin. Uh, that's just a mistake is all that is. That's, you're, it's just a mistake. You're deceiving yourself. If the man thinks he's something when he's nothing, you've deceived yourself. But many operate in that deception. And they live in that deception. And they even minister in that deception. Thinking that they're above. Can I remind you that the Son of Man, uh, He came not to uh, be ministered unto, but He came to be a minister. and To give His life a ransom for many. Thank God for the example we have in Christ. In this portion of Scripture that we have before us, Jesus... There's kind of a transition in the ministry. Chapter number 8 is a transitional time in in the Gospel of Mark as I've been studying in the ministry of Jesus. The the confrontations with the Pharisees kind of toned down just a little bit. And the miracle ministry of Christ tones down a little bit. Not that it's it's dissolved uh, uh, altogether, but it is toned down just a little bit. And Jesus mainly focuses on training the disciples. In fact, we see that in verse Number 30 and 31, he went through Galilee. He had performed many many miracles in Galilee, but this time he didn't want any man to know it. Why? Verse 31, for he taught his disciples. 
And He's training the twelve. He's getting them ready. And this is the very first lesson. In fact, these chapters, as, they, as we follow them along, we'll find there's many lessons that He will teach His uh, disciples as, the, as He uh, takes that uh, journey to Calvary's hill. And, and, and uh, He's going to teach His disciples many lessons. But this is the first one because it is the most important. It's a lesson on humility and killing pride in our life. In fact, Jesus, uh, it's so important, it's so primary that Jesus... Jesus, when He preached His very first message on the, uh, on the mount there, the Sermon on the Mount, His very first uh, words out of His mouth, the introduction, the very first, what we would call the beatitude is, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Yes. Poor meaning down, devoid, empty, lowest, on the bottom, spirit. That's your attitude. Having, not being lifted up but down. I believe the reason, for, uh, the reason it's so primary and it's so first is because if we don't get this lesson, if we don't learn the lesson of humility, you can't learn anything else. How many of you know you can't teach a fool? You can't teach it one that is wise in his own conceit. Somebody that is uh, believes he knows everything. You can't teach them anything. The first lesson is humility. And it's so tough. It's something we all struggle with because if, if it's so sneaky. It's so deceptive. You can have... In fact, one of the worst forms of pride is false humility. When it's all about you and how humble you are and how lowly you are, you're not getting the picture. Uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself Less. It's when you're not on your mind at all. It's, it's tough. Benjamin Franklin said this. He said, There is perhaps no one of our natural passions so hard to subdue as pride. Beat it down, stifle it, mortify it as much as one pleases. It is still alive. He said, Even if I could conceive that I had completely overcome it, I should probably be proud of my humility. I think... I think if you if you think you're humble, if you think you're all right, listen, you're proud of your humility and you've Amen. defeated the purpose. Amen. It's counterproductive. Amen. Amen. Jesus gives three truths in this text that I believe will help us deal with our secret sin of pride on the inside. And I want to show them to you very quickly and I'll take my seat. Number one, I want to point out this, that pride is mortified by service. You know, you know how we get rid of... Pride is a sin, right? right. You know how you get rid of any sin? You've got to kill it. That's right. John Owen, the old Puritan writer that said, you, you better be killing sin or it will be killing you. Amen. It's got to be mortified. It's got to be put to death. You can't play with it. You can't pet it. You can't harbor it. You can't try to, uh, try to just live with it. You have to kill it. That's right. It's got to be mortified. Uh, Paul said, Colossians 3, 5, Mortify therefore you members on the earth. And he lists all those things. Romans 8, 13, If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify uh, the deeds of the body, you shall live. you got to, you got to kill it. you got to kill uh, pride. It's got to be killed. And So how do we kill sin? We, how do we kill this sin of pride? Uh, how, how do we kill pride? Well, Jesus teaches them that. And said, in fact, he, I love how He deals with His disciples in verse number 35. It says, And He, and he sat down. He didn't yell at him. He didn't beat him upside of the head. He didn't uh, get angry at him or get mad with him. He said, let me, let me sit down let me teach you something. Yes. The great teacher. Nicodemus said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. He yes. is a teacher come from God. That's right. What a teacher he was. Let's sit down with the great teacher Jesus and see what he said about killing pride. Verse 35, he sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, if any man desire to be first... 
Now, let's stop right Don't you think their ears just perked up just a little bit? Yes. They're thinking about kingdoms, thrones, crowns, rewards, reigning. They think Jesus is going to go in there and give a roundhouse kick to Caesar right in the head and kick him off the throne and move in. Let's overthrow this bunch. Man, we're going to the throne. We're going to rule and reign. And I'm going to sit on one side. They hate that. Some of the disciples even had mama go check and see if one could sit on one side and one could sit on the other. And man, here they go. Man, that's all that's on their mind. Jesus is trying to tell them about Calvary, trying to tell them about the cross. And they're thinking about who's going to be the greatest. And, and so when Jesus says, if any of you desire to be first, I can see them all lean up on the edge of their seat. Yeah. Say, well, we better write this down. Maybe they get out their pen, get out their piece of paper. All right. Here it is. Jesus is going to, he's going to tell them, uh, he's going to settle this. I'll tell you uh, who can be first and who can be second and who can be third. And here it is. And but what comes next, I don't believe they were expecting. He said, if any man desire to be first. By the way, I noticed this as I read that. Jesus said if you desire to be first. He didn't say there was anything wrong with desiring to be first. I don't know if there's necessarily anything wrong with desiring to do your best for the Lord and having some ambition. We need that today. We've got a lot of people just, well, just whatever. You know, whatever goes on. But anyway, He said if any but desire to be first, He said the same shall be last of all and servant of all. I'll tell you how pride is killed. It's killed by service. Serving others. He said, if you desire to be first, you have to be last of who? Of all. He said, you've got to be servant of who? Servant of all. He said, you've got to be willing to serve. Jesus, no doubt, did not give them the answer they were wanting, but He gave them the answer they were, they were needing. Services and, and, and killing pride in our life is when everybody else goes first and you go last. When everybody else, you make sure everybody else gets what they need and you're not so focused on everything that you need and everything that you want and you serve. And I know, I know this is a camp meeting, but man, this is, this is what we need right here just to be a, a servant to all. God help us, uh, servant to esteem each other better than ourselves and to prefer one another. God, Help us in this area. The pride kill, killer in service. I want to tell you what, he, what, what Jesus was saying here is that humility is not a feeling. That's right. Right. So we think humility is a feeling. Humility is not a feeling. It's not. The question is not. Do you feel humble? Because if you do, then you're not. If you feel humble, then you're not humble. Okay? Humility is a posture of the heart that affects the way that you treat other people. It affects the way. That's the thing about the Pharisees. They would, man, they put people under a burden and they expected to be served and they expected to be respected and exalted. Instead, Jesus shows us another way where you get on your knees and you get on your hands and you wash somebody's feet, even those that would betray you. That's the great pride killer. Serving other people. Who do you serve? Everybody. All others. In fact, right here in our text, He shows us there's three categories of people that we ought to be serving. That we've got to help. If we're going to kill pride in our lives, here's who you need to focus on serving in your life. First of all, he said, you've got to be a servant of all. And when that means all, all means all. That means even those disciples that were standing around. First of all, if we're going to kill pride in our life, we're going to mortify the pride in our life by service. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to serve those, first of all, serve those that won't serve you. Amen. Can I? Here's a question. Can I serve those that will not serve me? 
These disciples, they were disputing amongst themselves. They should have been serving one another. They should have been encouraging one another. They should have been helping one another. But instead, they were disputing. You know what the word dispute means? It means to fight. It means to fuss. They were fighting about who would be the greatest. How many of y'all think they were in some great unity right then? How many think they were in one mind and one accord right then? You can't be in one mind and one accord while you're disputing who's the greatest and who's the best and, and who's the most wonderful and who's going to be the greatest and who's going to have the, the most uh, 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 pomp and circumstance and all these things about you can't be the greatest when you can't uh, serve each other and be in unity when you're trying to be served yourself. And I'm afraid that's a problem in our churches these days, no doubt about that. God help us. How about those that won't? Those disciples should have been serving one another. But I believe Jesus looked at those disciples and said, they may be jockeying for position and who can be the greatest, but you need to serve them and you need to help them. What about those that could serve you? They have the ability to. They even have the command to. But they don't serve you. See, most of us, we have this thing. Well, if they help me, I'll help them. If they'll serve me, if they'll scratch my back, I'll scratch their back. Yeah, I'll serve them. I'll serve them, but they won't serve me. Tell you, you really want to kill some pride in your life? Why don't you go out of your way to do something for somebody who could do something for you but will not? They won't. Right. Those that won't serve me. If I want to kill pride in my life, I'm going to have to serve those that won't serve me. How about those that can't serve me? Look, what, look at the next thing. He, he has an object illustration here. Verse 36. And he took a child, set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. When he's talking about a child right there, he's not necessarily talking about physical children here. He's talking about believers, other believers. That's right. Compare that with Matthew chapter number 18. I believe that's right, rightly divided in context. Those children are other believers. He said, if the way that you treat other believers is the way that you treat me. If you receive others, you receive me. And if you receive me, you receive God. But he's using children in this aspect. Children are people that cannot help me. They can't do anything. Children are powerless. Children are ignorant. And I don't mean stupid. I mean, they just there's things they don't know. They don't contribute much. I have four children. And other than joy, they have not contributed anything to my household. And even joy is overrated when the bank account's low. Can I get a witness right there? They get money for birthdays. They get money for Christmas. And not one time have they ever come to me and said, Hey, Dad, we want to help out with the rent this month. We want to help out. Hey, we put all our Christmas money together. We got you a $150 gift card to Walmart to help with groceries this week. They ain't never done. They don't contribute anything. They cannot add anything to my life in any way. Hopefully that will change one day. Amen. We're praying. Amen. They're going to pick out my nursing home, so I'm trying to be nice to them. Amen. But they can't serve me. They're helpless. They're powerless. They're ignorant. What about those believers that, that they cannot do anything to help you? They can't add anything. They're not going to grow your church. They're not going to come and tithe and support missionaries. They're not going to go out knocking on doors. They're not going to run a bus route. They're not going to say amen while you preach. But they need us to serve them. What about them? You really want to kill some pride? I mean, is it more than just, yeah, amen, pride's bad. That's awful. Let's... Amen. And we say amen to it and we go out and we feel good because, hey, the preacher preached against pride and we said amen to it and all that. It's a sin. Or do you really want to kill some pride if you do? You're going to have to serve those that cannot serve you. They can't help you. They're not able to pay you back. They're not able to up your reputation or your standing in the ministry or increase you in any way. 
Can you serve them? Those that won't serve me. Those that can't serve me. How about this one? Those that don't serve with me. Look at the next, look at the next couple of verses. Verse 38, And John answered him saying, Master, Oh, sounds like a, this sounds like a guilty confession to me. Don't you? Oh, John, he's that sensitive one, right? He's that one that laid his head on the breast of Jesus and just sensitive, the beloved, the sensitive disciple, the faithful disciple. Sounds like John's, he, John's hearing all this. Sounds like his conscience is getting tore up. He says, uh, Gulp, Master, we, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us. And we forbade him because he followeth not us. What about how do you treat those that don't serve with you? They're not in your camp. They're not in your circle. They don't go to your church. How do you how do you, how do you treat those? How about those that how about those that you even disagree with or even don't like or what? How about those? That, how about this? How about those that are doing a better job than you? Right. Right. Because it looks like to me this guy's doing something they couldn't do just a couple verses ago. Seems like when somebody they got more people and they're doing more, it seems like God's blessing them. We gotta villainize them in some way. We gotta criminalize them and we gotta downplay them and we can't just be thankful for them. We gotta say, man, they're, they must be they must be compromising over there. They must be doing this or doing that. How, how about just and how about just serving them? How about just find out how you can help, how you can pray for them, how you can encourage them? Jesus said, "Don't forbid them." That's right. Here's what John's problem was: it wasn't that he because look what he said. He said, "Because he followeth not us." How about this? How about just because they're not following you, don't mean they ain't following Jesus? That's right. John was worried about them following him and following the disciples. That's good. Their Jesus said, "Don't, don't, uh, don't, uh, don't do that." Don't forbid them. Let them go on. Yes. I tell you, that's a real pride killer right there. How do we treat other people, those that won't serve me, those that can't serve me, those that don't serve with me? How do you, how do you respond when you're treated like a servant? That tells whether you have a servant's heart or not. Yes, sir. Pride is mortified by service. Secondly, I'm just giving you these last two and I'm, I'm sitting down. Number two, pride will be manifested at the judgment seat. Yes, Look at these next couple of verses here. Verse 40. He said, He that's not against us is on our part. Verse 41 is where I want to get to. He said, For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Now, Jesus is talking their language. He's talking about something they want. They want rewards. Yeah. Right? He said, If you really want a reward, here's how you get rewards. Take a cup of cold water. Give it to somebody. You know what Jesus said? You shouldn't have forbid that man. You should have went and got him a drink of water. Amen. You should have encouraged him. Yes. You should have said, hey, what can I do to help you? Let me get you. Man, I'm glad. I appreciate what you're doing, man. God bless you. Let me get you something to drink. If you really run a world, I'm going to tell you, let me say this and I'm moving on. Humility will get you what pride never will. Humility will get you places and get you things. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due time. He giveth more grace. He resisteth the proud, but He gives what? Grace to the humble. If you want rewards in heaven for the glory of God, you've got to serve humbly. 
On the other hand, if you want a bad day at the judgment seat of Christ, read verse 42. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it's better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and were cast into the sea. Ain't got time to preach that, but we'll just suffice it to say this. It's going to be a bad day at the judgment seat for those that offended other believers. Amen. And I don't know anything that's more offensive than pride. And all of our works and all of our hearts will be manifested that day when the real rewards are given out. You do what you do to be seen of men, you have your reward. Yes, sir. You got it. But if you'll take a cup of cold water and help somebody and serve somebody else, he said you'll get a reward. You'll get a reward. Humility is mortified by service. Humility is manifest, and pride will be manifested at the judgment seat of Christ. Pride is mortified by service. Pride will be manifested at the judgment seat. Let me say something about humility, and I'm done. Humility is modeled by Jesus Christ. There is no greater example of humility than we have of Jesus. In fact, I want you to I skip these verses. I want to go back to it. verse 30, 31, 32. What was Jesus talking to his disciples about while they were going on their journey? He's talking to them about Calvary. He said, verse 31, he taught his disciples, said to them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying, were afraid to ask. Jesus was trying to teach his disciples what true humility looked like. If you want to know what real humility looks like, just look at Calvary. Look at the cross. Read these verses and I'll be done. Paul said in Philippians 2, he said, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies fulfill you my joy, you should be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That's right. Let not every man on his look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Then let this mind. Be in you. What mind? Well, that, mind, that, that mindset he just told us about. Yes. Steaming somebody else better than yourself. Yes, sir. Treating somebody else, preferring your brother. Let that mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no, no reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. There's our example. Yes, sir. There's our mind Amen. we need to have, serving somebody else, serving others. May God help us to serve like Christ. Father, we love you. We thank you.